0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. If you want updates on my life, you can go to my Instagram or my YouTube. Both of those are linked in the show notes. And really, I just want to give you some updates about Primal Meetup before we get into this episode. More people are joining all the time and it's just going really well. And we have such solid, positive, helpful community on there for those of you who don't know i created an app called primal meetup for community and dating and friendship and parenting in the carnivore raw primal space so if you're interested in eating raw meat if you eat a lot of meat in general if you're in like the carnivore world i think you'll love this app There is so much diet dogma and so much hating online. I got so sick of it. And with some encouragement from my audience members, I created this app. I use it for dating and friendship and just like a general sense of community that is supportive. I moderate this group, and I don't really have to do a lot of moderating because everyone that joins is so cool, um, but I make sure that no one is hating in there or treating people in a shitty way, and I'm just really proud of it. We've just created quite a bond with everyone there, and the vibes are excellent, and it's great to see who's single in a community when you have a more specific diet. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Adam Ambris today. He's the owner and manager of Healthfully Farm, which is a farm located in Western New York, and it's based around sustainable and primal farming principles. Adam serves the primal community with super good quality foods and his vision is to be a small primal community. So those of you who maybe just started to listen to this podcast may not know I've been um, in the raw primal community lately and I've been experimenting a lot with the raw primal diet. You can look it up. Uh, it's a diet created by Eugenius Wunderplanet. It involves eating raw meat and and raw products and uh, fermented raw dairy. And um, yeah, Adam created this farm and. Future community uh, created around these really thoughtful, high quality farming practices, basically. And we're going to learn more about what that actually is. And I have to say that, Adam, I didn't tell you this yet, but my first reference to you, I think, was Zara Milan's episode on this podcast where she was talking about, oh, I have a friend who is creating this primal farm in New York. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I had no idea this was happening. And so you've actually been mentioned on this podcast. Podcast, and it's kind of in a way been like a long time coming, and it's just uh, an honor to have you on. Thanks for coming on, and welcome to Root Awakening, a health podcast.
1: Thank you, Emily. Uh, sorry for uh, taking so long here. With um, you know, trying to get the website live at the same time as this, so I know I've delayed it a few times, but I really uh, appreciate your patience and um, just the passion that you bring to. The primal community and, and sharing uh ideas and you know great things that people are doing amongst uh, the primal community
0: Thank you so much for saying that and man I know I don't know firsthand but I've been around the farming community and I know how big of a task it is and you're creating something that's very revolutionary so we'll wait for you as long as we have to wait for you it's an amazing thing that you're building and it's a big job so yeah, you guys, Adam has been getting his website ready, and uh, we're going to, I guess, talk about that. So we're going to try to get this podcast episode out when the website is available. So the website, the link to Adam's Farm, you can check out his products and, and um, you know, learn, just learn more about what he's doing will be linked in the show notes, um, however you're watching or listening to this podcast. So... Let's see, how do we start? I would love to start, Adam, with a background about how you found the primal community and then leading into how you started this farm. It's such a general question, but I think we all really are curious about where you came from and how you found yourself in this place of um, having primal values and um, being you know, brave enough to start a sustainable farm. Like what led up to that? Mm-hmm
1: sure that's a great question uh where to begin i've i was um i guess unhappy with my diet um just looking back well even at a young age i was a cross-country track runner so it was like distance and i just look back and i'm like it was all carbs and then it led me to to binge eat i would I would binge eat on things cause my body was craving fats. And, and back then the, the craze was like low fat lean and mean, you know, that's going to make you the best runner kind of thing. And it just led to this cycle of, like I said, binge eating, like it was a roller coaster. And then I, I felt like crap. And I'm like, there's, there's gotta be another answer here as I kind of like went through life. And, um, I experimented with raw veganism that was, uh, like Ajna said, I hit the wall in, um, it was under a year. I think it was like eight months. I, I read one of David Wolf's books, Nature's First Law, The Raw Food Diet. So he had that right, the, mm. the raw food idea. Yeah. Um, but he was just, um, you know, it was all vegetarian stuff. Like that's, and I i mean, it, it was... It drew me in because he had this principle of like this is where we came from like the past um and so I tried that like I said hit the wall started eating just like raw salmon and these other things my body was craving them while I was on his diet and um and so then I just kind of went back to sort of regular whatever standard American but then I found um Sally Fallon nourishing traditions and I really I Of course, Primal is the optimal, but I feel like Sally Fallon's um, Nourishing Traditions, you know, the Weston Price Foundation, all that good stuff, they're kind of a gateway, I felt like, into Primal, which was my progression. Um, I was very happy with how I was, I finally felt satiated, like, for the first time in my life on Sally Fallon's diet, Um, and it was, you know, big on raw butter raw milk the the grass fed meats and of course you know there's a bunch of cooked stuff and we know what Ajahn has said about even like salted fermented foods like i remember one of his uh, his newsletters is like the 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 good the bad and the stinky or something <laughs> and it's just about how the, the those fermented foods will like with the salt for some reason cause like a lot of gas in i think people maybe on mainly on primal um but in any case I was on that for quite a few years and then um well the funny thing is I was hosting other travelers at a farm I was managing in Texas and um this one guy came looked at Sally's book Nourishing Traditions and there's a section on raw meat appetizers which I never really considered and he was like hey let's do like a special meal like for, I think he was there in December, he was like, for Christmas, let's do like a special steak tartare. And I'm like, wait, should we really do this? This is like pretty risky, isn't it? So funny, like looking back now. Um, But we did, we made a steak tartare, we follow Sally's, Sally said, it's got to be frozen for 14 days. And I had, we had put up a, a cow in the freezer. So we had meat that had been frozen for a while. And we used it, ate, enjoyed it, digested great i remember the next morning it's like how are you feeling great how are you feeling great it's like whoa like what is going on here like we're not supposed to be doing that you're supposed to cook your meats to whatever you know degree they have for everything so i have him to thank for that Uh, his name was luke and he was uh just uh he was actually i think through the wolf program which I host people here at the farm through wolf and Workaway. I did in Texas and I'm on those sites here as well I actually have um, a a German young man here helping me um, for the past couple weeks so I am uh, I'm very open to you know people coming and seeing what I'm doing here experiencing this this way of life and um, you know even people that maybe aren't primal like he isn't primal but I like the cultural exchange as well. And then, you know, there's an if there's an opportunity, I share more about um, you know, the primal diet and how I eat. Uh so then, yeah, so he got the book. This guy, Luke, got the the book and we read Audgis and it's like all these mind-blowing things, like, wait, don't drink. He doesn't say don't drink water, but just limit water intake mm-hmm. and go for more like of your bioavailable nutrients and milk and the the vegetable juices. And uh, it was just like at first I read it and I'm like, this this just sounds out there. And I'm very open to like, you know, conspiracy theory type stuff. <laughs> and I was just like, this, I don't know. And and I just slept on it for a while. And but I would would here and there like try different things, like the raw meat, obviously, like went back to that. I was drinking raw milk at the farm anyways. And it just kind of made sense. It's like, well, if raw milk is better than pasteurized milk, then why can't we apply that same thing to meat Mm. and eggs? And I raise this to a lot of people that are on like cooked foods diets. And I don't know, they just glaze over like, okay, yeah. Like they agree with raw milk, but then they can't make that um, jump. But sometimes I hope like I, I plant a seed that like okay maybe it comes back you know it germinates and grows at a later time um, Mm -hmm. and leads them to you know more truth in their lives because ultimately that's what aginist was doing is just spreading truth um about an optimal diet and saying things like yeah no tradition is not necessarily that's one thing i was you know i was bought into nourishing traditions and it was all about oh, we look to the traditions of the past, but then you think about it and you've got, um, what was it like the, the Roman army was paid in like salt, which is salary, like that's where we get the word. And it's just like, well, salt, it may have been valued and it may have helped them at that time preserve foods, which they needed, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't also advancing the aging process within them. So like aginist has put all this information out there for us just to you know digest the best we can i i go through spurts while i'll listen to his uh i bought all those um yeah his uh, not podcasts but his q a recordings and mm-hmm. i'll just i'll listen to those and if i listen to enough of them like i just start to really think like Ogenus and like feel like he's you know still here and it's uh You know, it's a nice thing to to have this guy that we've been following so much and at least have those Q&A's to to sort of connect with him and just see or listen to all his knowledge and what he had to share for the world. And the answers are out there like for almost everything. Like there's very few. I thought even with um, farming principles that, um, you know, he hadn't really addressed it quite as much. But um, even just recently, like Zara had sent, she did some research and sent me um, just a whole list of things. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. But, like, I'm in line with all these pretty much. There was there was one thing I'm like, I'm still at direction, which is, and it's kind of a challenging thing with cows. Um, they come from farms, like where I bought them, they had minerals, toxic minerals, unfortunately. I don't think you're gonna find, unless the people raise them primally, they're going to have that where they were offered minerals or minerals were mixed with their feed. And so they have a load, basically a toxic load of those. Um, And then also salt, like I'm just offering them a salt, a straight like Redmond salt block for the time being, but I'm going to wean them off that. I just felt like it wasn't right for me to cold turkey it um, and then be asking so much of them during like peak lactation which is where they are right now so i didn't want them to be dealing with like you know salt headaches and i'm sure like things that we go through they're gonna go through as well Mm -hmm. um and that's that's one thing i don't know what your experience was with salt but for me like when i finally jumped in with primal it was like okay no salt and i had headaches for a good like i want to say two weeks minimum like two to three weeks and that was really, uh, you know, it it was, it was telling basically it's like I was dependent on the salt and now I'm going through withdrawal of the salt. But now that I'm off it and, and I'm sure a lot of other primal dieters can speak to this as well. I don't need salt on anything when it's raw. When I occasionally, I might go with like a cooked meal of like starch or something. And I'll be like, this needs salt. like. I've denatured it to the point where it doesn't really taste that great, and so adding the salt back, which is what you know everyone uses on, on cooked diets, like you need salt. Um, I I find the same thing, but when I'm just eating the raw meals, no no need for salt. Um, but yeah, so I know I'm kind of just jumping all over the place here. <laughs> um, what was what was so then the the farm here? I guess was your the other part of your question. Yeah, like um, it was. So going back to Nourishing Traditions, Sally Fallon, I um, I got her book and read that and started following the diet. And I'm like, you know what? I want to connect with people on the Nourishing Traditions diet. So I went I applied for like a, a It I wasn't a scholarship, but it was like I couldn't afford what it was. To go to that conference but if you go there and you're willing to volunteer you get like a let's just call it a scholarship so i was able to go to the national conference for nursing traditions and um, you know met sally fallon and her whole crew i guess you could say i mean she's got like a whole the weston a price foundation has a lot of people involved in um lobbying for raw milk and that was kind of a neat thing where Ogdenus would create, um, I guess, coalitions or partnerships. And say, well, we agree on this, like Ledward, and um, I think he did with with the Weston Price, at least on on the raw milk lobbying, mm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so to finish that idea, at the Nourishing Traditions conference, there was a there was a food track you could go on for the presentations, or I went on the farming track. So I'm like, this is interesting. And it was Alan Savory, who uh, he's like the grandfather of rotational grazing, like intensive grazing. So basically this idea that farming is more than just sitting on a tractor, spraying, you know, baling hay, whatever, that kind of stuff. Like he, his whole thing was do it without a tractor, use the animals as tools. Yeah. And that really resonated with me because it was always like, farming is just kind of this boring thing where you just try to dominate the land and it was this other idea of going in harmony with the land and with nature which is really what this whole thing that i have here this farm and this whole movement i believe is about is just being more in harmony with nature because i got to tell you the more that i've been on um the primal diet. The more I feel in tune with the animals um, and nature, and 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 the more I, I almost want to, <laughs> like I was telling you uh, before we started the this call. Like I want to shut off the cell phone. I want to grab my scythe and go out there and mow hay with a scythe as opposed to using a tractor. And it's just peaceful and being one with the land and a part of it is also like i've done extreme things like i hiked the appalachian trail in uh, 2014 you know 2,200 miles from Mm. georgia to maine so i had to prove it to myself i could do that and same with this i'm like well can i harvest enough um hay by hand to feed the cows for a winter here in in western new york which isn't a small feat you wouldn't think cows would eat that much, but they do. I probably need about 100 pounds of hay a day for the two cows. I'm hoping it's a little bit less than that. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little bit less than that because I will dry them up, which is another, it's a natural thing. Like I won't be offering dairy products when the time isn't right. Like in the middle of winter when it's freezing, I think it's really hard on the animals that are pregnant that are getting ready to calve, nature would have it where these these animals have dried up, and they're putting that energy into themselves and their calves. <clears throat> so my plan is to dry them up, probably around January. <clears throat> also because I don't want to be out there hand milking when it's zero degrees yeah. in the barn. Uh, Grant the barn's going to be a little bit warmer with the cows in there, but it's still just you know it's it's hard on everyone, and I'm not. I've been through the winter here, I've at least seen one and they told, tell me it was an easy winter where, you know, we were only sub zero like a couple times with 25 30 mile an hour winds. Wow. <clears throat> so. Um, that's I'm, I'm kind of jumping around but that's as far as the, the farming track that was it Alan savory and hearing everything that he had to say it resonated with me and then. I started doing work away and wolf experiences myself on farms that were doing rotational grazing that was like the thing i was most interested in and um so then that pretty much led me (laughs) to where i am now i managed a farm for family in texas for four years um that went until 2020 i want to say or 2021 and then it's been about two years since i left there and uh, I was in Colorado for a little while. I was in Cleveland at a raw dairy, helping them and um, and I was also saving money. they They allowed me to like work work at FedEx while I was working at the farm, but I was, I was putting together the the funds that I needed to for a down payment um, on a place. and so. Yeah, I finally have like a longer term vision of what I want to do. And it's it's taken me a long time to get there in my life. I was just kind of like on that journey, like figuring out, well, what is it? What is it that I want to do? Like I majored in finance um, out of college. I worked on Wall Street for a while and it just left me empty. And that's actually what led to the, um, the whole Appalachian Trail experience was just kind of like. I just need a break. I'm going to leave for a while and see what happens. And uh, never went back, you know, to, to that type of environment after the Appalachian Trail.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's true. So inspiring because you saved, you worked at FedEx, you and you farmed, which is crazy. Like I was telling Adam before we started recording that I was, in i worked on a farm or a couple different farms for like six months not even that long and i i i definitely would do homesteading or be around i love being around farms but it was so exhausting to me i couldn't be a farmhand i felt like at a certain point in time because i was was seriously adam afraid i was going to lose my fertility i was like this is such hard work um and i think it 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 takes a, a certain type of person with a certain amount of drive and um, it's amazing that you that you you worked at like multiple places i'm sure it was so exhausting you gathered the funds you needed and here you are at your farm like it's just it's extremely inspiring to me and um, just so excited to talk to you at this point in your journey um because it sounds like it was a long one with a lot of you know twists and turns and and how so how do you feel now that you have you've kind of arrived at your spot like that's super cool
1: yeah uh like i was telling you before a little overwhelmed
0: yeah <laughs> just with no everything no pressure uh, but the, the
1: website yeah Yeah. um, And having just gotten the cows, like not knowing how that was going to go. And actually, uh, I'll just tell you this story, but I got the cows and they came from a place where they were in like the head stanchion, where when they were milked, they would just, it would close. You know, the bars would kind of close on both sides, not not choke them like this, but just on both sides. Here I have tie stalls, which... I was just like, okay, well, that's the infrastructure I have set up. I'm just going to go with that. And it involves putting, I don't really like it, but I'm putting a chain around their necks and then tying the chain to a smaller chain, which is on like a long metal pole, which is very secure in the barn. So, because these are big animals, like if they don't want to be somewhere, they're going to test, they're going to put weight into it. So... I get some nice hay. Um, yeah, by the way, the, the cows I have are just grass fed. I'm not doing grain. I know, I think Ogynous was open to grain. From what I've observed, behavior changes with the animals. Um, they're not as calm with grain. And this is just from experience, you know, years of experience working with, with cows in Texas. And you could say maybe it was just the cows I had, but um, I, so to finish the story about <laughs> my first milking, I had carabiners, like pretty heavy duty metal carabiners. I'm like, these should be good enough on the end of the metal, uh, the chain. And I w- I hooked them. Once I put the hay in front of them, they're like, oh, this is nice, sweet hay. And they're they're eating, they're happy. I hook them. And eventually they're like, okay, now we want to go. And they, you know, they pull back on the chain. It's like, boom. They're like, okay, what, what's going on here? And they, I could see they got nervous well the one the younger one is she's kind of like struggling a little bit she bent the carabiner which i mean it wasn't a small carabiner metal um and she just bent it to the point where she was able to get off so now she's walking away while the other one the older one um is still there like what's going on here so then she starts panicking and um She ties her chain. The chain was too long. This was like my first time ever working with this type of setup. Mm -hmm. So the chain was too long. She wraps it around. There were like little waterers next to, they used to like, the Amish um, used to have like 20 cows in there. It's kind of sad, but a lot of times they would just be tied up like all the time pretty much in their spots. Mm -hmm. And so they'd have waterers right there to like push their noses on and you know get the water flowing so that they could drink well they're they're like disconnected now but anyway she tied around this water and starts choking herself and i'm like oh my gosh like everything that could go wrong went wrong with these cows and then i'm running back to the house because i don't know if you've ever seen this but when a cow like tenses up like that they don't let up she Mm. continues to like choke herself so i'm running to get like like um you know things to cut like bolt cutters basically which i had thankfully had in the barn because there's no way for me to unclip her you know like it's dangerous for me to try to unclip her yeah. at that point when she's got a thousand pounds on that, that little carabiner and um so i i i cut the bolts and she finally got away i'm like okay this was a disaster we're gonna try something new and um you know milking didn't go great that day I don't even know I think I may have been like I'm just going to try to milk them tomorrow like just a day without milking is is what it is kind of thing and so then. The next morning i'm like why don't I go and ask them if I can milk them just walk up alongside them and sure enough, like I did that i'm like you know can I milk you and I just hold my hand like down towards their udder, and they're just standing there. And so I brought the milk bucket over. And at this point I didn't, I wasn't confident enough to be like, well, I'm going to bring my stool over too, which (laughs) is really just a five gallon bucket upside down. (laughs) But I was like, I'm just going to crouch here because I don't know if they're going to move or what. And, um, you know, it took some getting used to, but they literally just stand for me. Like it's that type of relationship where it's like, we trust you. Like they trust me and I, I give them reason to trust me in that I'm not going to try to dominate them and bring them over to this tie stall again, which they freaking, they hate. Like I tried to bring them up to it again and they're like, we're not going there, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't blame you. So yeah. I just, they're freestanding when I milk them and it is like totally stress-free. There's no, like, i just told the story. I remember like, I think someone asked about goat milk compared to cow's milk and he's like, well, have you ever seen a calm goat? And I'm like, okay, good point. Like most, (laughs) most goats are pretty high strung. And so his whole thing was if you need more energy, goat's milk might be a good option. But a lot of his clients were needing like the calmer energy, which is where, you know, that he recommended the cow's milk. I would take that a step further and say, you know, observe the cows and how calm they are. Because I had cows in Texas that were not super calm and were mooing a lot and were, you know, easily spooked. These cows I have here are calm. They've been handled well their whole lives. And I'm just continuing what the other farmer I I got them from is doing and probably even taking it a step further. Because I don't know how long this is gonna last, but I'm basically milking them on their own terms. Like when Mm -hmm. I go in there, ladies are you are you ready for milking or what like are you going to stand for me (laughs) and one did this morning and the other she was still laying there chewing her cud. and i'm like well i've got things to do around the farm so i'm gonna go do those things and i'll be back in an hour and then i came back in an hour and she was actually still sitting but as i walked in then she like she stood up she's like i'm ready and i know she was because she was like her pressure builds to the point where she's kind of like dripping a little bit of milk on the ground so mm-hmm. that's actually one reason i chose her i'm like she's going to be a good hand milker because i can see the way like it it flows and that's you know that's a good thing yeah. um, so anyways <laughs> i'm going i'm going on and on i don't know if i've answered any questions but
0: yes you have it's been so interesting to hear about and I think so cool it's it's you're really kind of transporting us into what your life is like there and I think that's awesome Um, so I would love to talk now about maybe more specifics in kind of you know A general sense of what it means to have a primal farm. I think at this point in my podcast, probably most of our listeners are familiar with the primal diet. Um, But a lot of our our listeners don't do the primal diet. They're just open minded people. They think, you know, what we talk about on here is interesting. So um, yeah, what does it mean to have a primal farm? What values are you implementing? Sure,
1: yeah. So at a high level, Everything that the animals are eating is raw. Um, And that includes the grains that I offer the chickens. Um, Yeah, I mean, right down to like right now, I've got such an abundance of skimmed milk because um, I'm skimming the cream from the cows. So I'm just putting out raw milk for the chickens. And 100 chickens will drink about two gallons of raw milk a day. Is, is what I've determined. So every morning I just top off. I have two like water containers, basically that I fill with the the raw milk and um, yeah, they, they go to town on that. They like that. I've found that they do better when it's clabbered. Um, maybe they're just not being a bird. You know, the fresh milk seems to just like it, can tend to be difficult for like humans or anyone to digest. Um, I'm finding that if I let it clabber and then pour it for them, so it's like a kefir. If people don't know what clabber means, it's just sit out and then it solidifies. They um, they digest it a lot better. And what else? No injections of any kinds. no no toxic supplements of any kind for the animals and this is common practice and and everything is raw and that's i'd like to sort of differentiate myself from amos because i think some people will look and be like okay well miller's you know they're pretty much doing what this guy's doing and i'll i'll say you know for the most part they're doing a great job but i think there's certain things i don't know where he is on his mineral program but i'm going to assume he's offering minerals like most farmers. I could be wrong though, but I do know for a fact that um, he is offering, it's not a raw diet for the the um, chickens. He is no soy or he has no soy eggs, but a lot of farmers just turn to like peanut meal, which is another cooked vegetative matter. Um, and I think there's one other thing, like cotton seed meal or something. And I'm like, hmm. that is such like a, byproducts like kind of (laughs) me that's like a garbage feed um and it's cooked because again like Mm -hmm. chickens weren't meant to be eating much of that vegetative um matter it's not to say that they don't eat any they they absolutely i see them go out and they they eat grass um especially in the springtime when they haven't had any all winter like they are loving the grass um because they just they haven't had it for a while and my my ultimate conclusion is they are um omnivores which they eat grain like and they are designed to eat grain and that's Mm -hmm. that's something that like i feel like there's a balance a lot of people will lean like this is their only feed stuff is like grain and the soy and whatever other protein source they're gonna provide. All the protein sources here are animal based. Um, I'll do raw liver pate. Usually that's when they're younger because that can start to get rather expensive. Um, But when they're young, I feel like they need those extra vitamins and and minerals and stuff. And it was funny, I kind of reverse engineered. I'm like, okay, what does Purina put in, in their feed? like what what vitamins and minerals and then i just started doing like a google search on like liver um you know whatever phosphorus liver vitamin a liver and and it's like liver is a high source of this liver is a high source of vitamin d liver is a high source it's like everything purina was putting in there was found in raw liver so i'm like boom right there i'm going to mix that in with their grain to make sure that everyone's getting it and um you know, I've, I've had some challenges with the the chicks raising them, but it was user error, I would say. Um, and this is something I guess maybe other people can learn from, but I was mixing uh, too much liquid stuff in with their, I have like, I grind the grain very fine. I was making it like a paste and then it would dry and I would look down and be like, oh, they have food, they're good. They couldn't eat it because it was like it was such a paste, and when they're like chicks they they couldn't access the food and so it was this learning experience where i'm like why are my my chicks are showing signs of malnourishment like what is going on here i was making their feed too wet and it was like i mean you can imagine like dough right like it was it's not quite that fine the grain Mm -hmm. but it's along those lines and it it was just inaccessible to them, not because it wasn't down there in front of them, but because of the texture and consistency of it. Um, so yeah, like raw liver, raw whey. Another cool thing is I'm um, finding um, all the things that aginists would like juice, like coconut meat. They, the chickens love, like chicks do amazing on coconut pulp. Hmm. I mean, they just like thrive on it yeah that if i could just feed them that that would be pretty awesome but i would have to be juicing a heck of a lot of coconuts (laughs) um and, and then the same thing with like the the celery juice and the carrot juice i'd say are the other big ones and they they will especially like in the winter time like the celery pulp was a big like they were leaning on it heavily i noticed and then even now like when i offer the carrot pulp they're psyched about it. They're all like going mm-hmm. after it and eating it. Um, so yeah, I would say those those are the big things. No man-made chemicals of any kinds um, in anything that the cows will will eat or come in contact with, no injections of any kind. And it, and it goes for the chicks too. Um, and it's just neat to have raise them from chicks all the way to this point where they're producing eggs and everyone that i um, like right now since the website isn't quite up yet i've got eggs that i'm basically just giving away um to people and being like you know what do you think of the eggs and they're either being nice or they really mean like wow these are like amazing eggs like so fresh so good tasting Mm. and i'm like okay like the secret is not to do like conventional shortcuts basically to like go back to nature because in nature, what is it? It's all raw, right? These animals have no cooked. they have no injections. And that was a big thing with um, also like sourcing these cows, they've never been injected. And so that was, unfortunately, they're not jerseys that were never injected, um, but they are, they're Jersey crosses. They definitely don't exhibit the Jersey. They're much larger frames. The other thing is, I believe, is is it's how you treat the animals, um, which to me is like low stress, just like basically with with kindness and respect to to every one of their lives, you know, to every life on the farm, including the kittens like we we treat them gently here or or gentle like there's no like even what I was telling you, it's like, well, the chickens got in the cart and destroyed a bunch of my sprouts but i'm not going to run out there and start chasing them and stress them out like that's on me to create a better system to keep them away and not have this back and forth where i'm going to be chasing them and that's Mm -hmm. something that i have to kind of remind other people that come here um is like hey you know this is this is how we treat the animals here you know you may have treated them differently at other places but we're going to treat them with the utmost um, nurturing, you know, be nurturing towards them because, again, that translates into a better product in my mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's my belief basically is that the better we treat the animals, the better the the product is going to be. And I mean, it's just a fact. If a bunch of hens get stressed, let's say there was an attack in the coop. Not that this happened here, but I've heard this. Like, if there's an attack in the coop and maybe only one disappears out of say 20, but they all know what happens, um, they're gonna stop laying for a while, they're stressed. And so that's just kind of like an example of how that works in practice basically and how when we treat them just in a loving way that they give us back, you know, that love in the form of what I say that we're producing here is the best foods on the planet. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, totally. And it sounds just like a better quality of life for you, too. You know, like, if you're causing abuse, or just have like, a negative experience with an animal, and you just have that like negative rapport all the time, that's also can't be nice for you either. So it just seems like everybody wins including the customers so yeah I it's awesome what you're doing with the animals like I just think it sounds like a great quality of life for everybody um and so also like another primal protocol would be you're you're weaning the animals off salt so they don't have salt either like that's another I didn't even know that people considered that for farming I actually thought that cows needed salt because there is always a salt lick there
1: mm-hmm yeah, from what <clears throat> what Zara sent me, honest um, like a salt block as long as there's no minerals added, um, is is adequate basically according to Agnes. And then of course optimal is to to wean them off that completely. So that's what I'm in the process of doing. Like I just everyone else, all the other farmers are like, oh yeah, you want to give them like fine salt or coarse salt so they can get as much as they want basically quickly and i'm like no that's not what i want i want them to have to lick at it and really like work at it so that you know it's being communicated to their brain like i've got enough before they have like a whole mouthful of it Mm. so i think that was kind of uh reasoning um on saying that it's you know adequate but not optimal and also just being you know it's such common practice, like, for him to say, like, no, no salt for any animals if you're going to buy the milk. Um, I don't know if you would find any milk available. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like I said, I don't know what Miller's does with that. But my, my strong intuition is telling me they're probably offering them salt and minerals, because that's just, that's pretty common practice, even amongst the um let's say regenerative agriculture grass fed movements you know the ones that are doing good things um i i feel like they're still getting that part
0: wrong yeah i was going to say too that i see you as very different than millers not not like very different but different like millers farm millers organic farm is what we're referencing. They're an Amish farm. You're not an Amish farm. You're a primal farm. Like to me, it's different. And I, as far as I know, the Amish would still go for salt, and they would they 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 just have their own thing going, and you have your different thing going. So I just think it's cool that you're providing us with this other option, and um, that's interesting too about the animals and salt. Um, so I guess it kind of makes sense from the raw primal perspective, since part of the raw primal diet is no salt. Um, as as Ogenus kind of you know put it out there. Um so it makes sense that you you just also look like look at animals like you would look at us in the sense of like well they don't need the salt just like you don't believe um you need the salt either as a human.
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like the the chickens they don't need it. Um so I, obviously they, I don't give them any salt at all. I think they're accessing plenty of sodium through the different things that they're eating whether that's i don't know i don't think grains have too much sodium probably not but like the animal products that i'm getting them the milk um the raw liver i'm guessing that probably has some um I'm trying to think what else the bugs that they eat like right. they're they're out free ranging um oh the celery pulp I yeah that, that's a big one for sodium and yeah, definitely, it's just, it's so interesting to be able to um, go out to the animals, offer them something, and then have a, like, a clue, like based on how they react. Like for instance, I don't know if I can ever get around this one. When I offer them, like, you know, I use quite a few eggs every day, milkshakes and smoothies and such. And then I just crush those up and, and offer them back. And they just go nuts over their eggshells as a calcium source. I've even thought of <laughs> like with my customers. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm gonna do this, but offering like a discount like, hey, send me your crushed crushed eggshells, like send me those back to the farm because the chickens love them so much. Um, and I I'm using because, I need enough calcium for them to because uh, they're producing so many eggs. You know, there's calcium basically leaving the system is the way I look at it. You've got them producing all these eggs and I'm giving the eggs to, to neighbors and I'll be selling them. So the calcium has to come from somewhere or they have to generate it themselves, which is uh, a more involved process than if we give them like readily available calcium so you've got eggshells which is number one um and i'm using and and there's actually some discussion on the the primal facebook group about this but it's barnyard limestone basically so there's agricultural lime which is basically crushed up limestone that farmers will spread on their fields which increases the calcium and the fertility of the land Barnyard lime has um, its its uses. I mean, it's, uh, again, it's the one product is just crushed up limestone. That's all it is. But um, I guess it was used in the barns, like spread around, like where there's you know pee and <laughs> urine and and uh, you know all that good stuff, just to kind of like for cleanliness thing. Which mm-hmm. I I don't use it for that, but I do mix it in with their feed because if I don't they start eating their own eggshells. And um, I put that to the group just saying, you know, this is what I'm doing because I like to be transparent. And I got some challenges from people saying, oh, well, you know, you should try to come up with a better source than limestone. And, um, you know, well, my response to them is, okay, well, what else? And I've gotten things like taramin clay, which is really expensive. And I don't even, it probably does have a good amount of calcium in it, but, you should see how much you know these hundred laying hens will go through of it. So to me, something like that was cost prohibitive. Um, and the way I defend the barnyard lime is, it's it's basically rock or stone, which I know Ajana said like us humans don't eat it, but my counter to that for chickens is they absolutely absolutely eat little stones and pebbles for yeah. their um, for their gizzards. To, to basically grind up the whole grains in their food. And so if I can offer them this, which has a lot of calcium, and it also has the grit benefit, um, and it's not, you know, you could debate, well, where does limestone come from? It's It's, I guess, what I've heard is it's like ancient seabeds and i know agnes has said things like don't use oyster shells because that's where um the oysters store all the toxins in in the shell so i don't use those which that's like a common product that like organic farmers are are accessing and i'm like little do they know they're they're actually adding to the type of the animal um so i don't use that but to me like the the barnyard limestone is kind of the answer, um, for the calcium problem, because like I said, it has to come from somewhere. Otherwise their shells get thin and they start eating their, their shells or, you know, it breaks more easily. And that's the last thing I need when, um, uh, shipping the products as well. You know, I'm shipping eggs. Uh, Um, I want those shells to be nice and strong to, uh, You know withstand any (laughs) i was a fedex driver so i i know Mm. how they handle packages
0: (laughs) whoa that's so true i'm just realizing now that you've been kind of prepared to package stuff and that's awesome like how that kind of your journey has led you that way um but yeah okay so i was gonna ask and for those who don't know chickens eat their own eggs under yeah like adam's saying if the conditions aren't quite right they will i forget the word but yeah they'll eat their own kind you know they they're they're mm-hmm. intense animals so it happens um i've seen it happen all the time um but adam is it and it's,
1: it's interesting um uh, if sorry to interrupt but go for it. if if the shell if the egg is whole and the chickens have adequate nutrition they don't go after the egg once it's broken open then it's fair game, then they go after it. It's just, it's fascinating that a closed egg, as long as they're getting enough protein and calcium, they're not gonna go after that egg. But the mm-hmm. second I break it open, um, cause I, <laughs> uh, whatever, I'll just tell you, I incubated a bunch of eggs and only about half of them made it. So the other half, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna th- throw them to the chicken yard. And I threw a bunch and they broke and then the, the chickens went after them. Most of them just, they weren't fertile, you know, so it was just yolk and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of them just didn't even break when they hit the yard. And so the chickens just left them there. It was like a feeding frenzy on all the ones that were broken open, but then they left those ones behind. So that was another indication to me that my, my, the hens here and like the formula that I've been sort of developing is, uh, you know is adequate and i'm hoping it's going towards optimal um just like aggnus would always push for like well what's optimal and i mean there's things where i think he said like 25% soy was okay with chickens just because he had to give a concession um because otherwise no one could find like chicken meat basically right? like all all meat birds and and let me tell you soy is a terrible feed for these chickens and i've i've seen it firsthand um and i've raised these chicks in like sort of in my house like because i these i i moved here in october and i'm like well i want to get the chicks going so that they're chickens by spring and then i launched the website so i was just kind of like let's let's go for it but it was so cold here i couldn't have them in the garage or anything they were just like in this kind of room off the side um which i just put curtains up and i you know put hay down and all that stuff but i mean i remember being at other farms where they're feeding soy and how putrid their the the manure smelled. and then mm-hmm. i've got these ones here and i'm like either i'm used to this <laughs> either yeah. i'm used to the smell or it really isn't putting out that putrid smell because a lot that's i think that's one of the um the things that i don't want to call it a trick but they say, Oh, chicks need 20, 22% protein. So they pump it full of soy. Well, I bet they're only digesting 25, 50% max of the soy. So they're really only absorbing out of that, you know, soy can be as much as 30, 40% protein. Um, but they're only digesting a small percentage of it. Whereas the animal like the raw liver pate, I was giving them mixed in with their feed or whey from cheese making. Um, that seemed to be like a hundred percent absorbable and so the the confirmation for me was hey like it doesn't smell bad in this room even though these chicks have been living here like for a couple months but i have to remind myself sometimes like you know this is to me like this this whole movement it's it's bigger than me um it's it's bigger than any of us it's just like it's an information game. And it's just, you know, spreading the word, which is a wonderful thing that you're doing. So thank you for that. And, and then providing the best foods for people, which to me, like that was, that that's my calling in that, like, I was drawn to farming, I didn't even know about primal diet yet. And then I finally I learned about primal diet and kept moving. I'm like, well, let me just, devote my life to this you know at at this point in my life i was like i'm ready to just jump in with with two feet and um my goal for it so the name of the farm it it is healthfully farm and it's it's um based on how aginist would sign off of his newsletters healthfully Mm -hmm. so it's it's in honor of him Mm -hmm. um it it helped that the domain name was available so i'm like well this is an easy one that you know people are going to remember i i want healthfully farm to be like a a one-stop shop is kind of how it's like a one-stop shop for primal products basically so i wanted to go beyond just the dairy and the eggs and and go into like Coconut cream and the vegetable juices, because I hear all too often people saying like, "Oh yeah, like I would love to do them. I know, and these are people on the primal diet. Like I know it would benefit me, but uh, just don't have the time to do the juicing." And I'm like, "Well, look, if you want to order eggs for me, I, I and I'm trying to keep prices, you know, competitive. I'm like, I'm just going to be in line with everyone else on." on the vegetable juices and and coconut cream and that sort of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Bariani olive oil was another one that, that I researched. I really mm-hmm. like his olive oil and I've had um, a couple conversations with him. He's given me confidence to where I'm like, this is real olive oil that I'm happy to offer through Healthfully Farm. So people that are looking Like, oh, okay. I I look at that as more of an add-on, right? Like I'm not producing that, but it's like, hey, if I'm already paying for shipping for all these other things, well, let me add on this really high quality olive oil that is real olive oil that's extracted. It's a cold, I think he called it a hammer mill. And so it's like a cold extraction that isn't like centrifuge. And um, that's one I've also connected with a local beekeeper where it is truly raw honey, and um, I'm gonna be able to offer it at a more competitive price than, I don't know, this truly raw, I I actually don't buy it because I just get from this local beekeeper here, but I've heard like their prices are getting ridiculous and that, okay, great, it is truly raw, like you're getting what you want, but at some point, you know, things get expensive and, and budgets get tight, so. Uh, That's another one that I want to, I will be offering once we launch here and um, sourdough bread, (laughs) which isn't, it's not like optimal primal, Mm -hmm. but it was something that like a a no salt sourdough bread, um, which I've been making for like quite a few years. I don't know why I just, I never put salt in it, but it's so common that everyone's putting salt in the bread that like I'm able to offer a unique product just by not adding salt. It's kind of like, (laughs) because everybody else or most other people do it. I'm sure there's some out there that are doing salt, salt, free bread as well. But the cool thing with that is the only ingredient is um, a refined flour, like what Agenis want, that it's a Bob's red mill. um, Refined flour is what Agenis kind of like, called for he's like you actually don't want the whole grain the no salt sourdough bread that um, we'll be offering through the farm is with a refined grain Um, and I, I had to do like a little bit of research on that and and go back and read like we want to live and his part on starches and so his his recommendation there is for like it's it's refined grain that it only has the endosperm, I believe. It does not have the bran or the germ in it. Mm. Um, so it's it's again that's like a contrary to I'd say like most health movements, which are like oh yeah you whole grain all the way. Right. And Agnes was like no refined like refined is the stuff we absorb. Um, the sperm is the part we absorb, not the germ and the bran and yeah i mean again like just way ahead of his time uh on on things like that where yeah. it's kind of interesting because it was like you've got wonder bread which is just highly refined white and you're like oh that's such you know that's garbage so then yeah. the health community goes the other way and says oh well whole grain way to go and then Agnes comes back and actually through like empirical research goes actually the refined grain but Cut out the salt and all the other preservatives. Yeah. So it will be, it'll be a product that is, that's, that's all it is. It's that and and a sourdough starter, just that I, I did right here at the farm. So I just keep that going. I feed it every week if I'm not going to bake. And if I do bake, then I just hold back like a small amount so that I can start my next batch. I've had, I've had pretty good reviews from, um, yeah, other like primal friends. Actually, like I have trustees of the farm as well, which that kind of goes into um, the structure of this. This farm is similar to Miller's in that it's a um, it's a private association, mm-hmm. and members have to join the association in order to have access to the foods that we produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I know Amos got into a little bit of trouble um i don't did you hear about that at all like that he was in the news there for a while yeah Yeah. and so i've i've done a lot of uh talking with people in this industry which is basically like helping whomever take their business into the private domain so whether it's you know basically form Uh, membership associations, clubs, that sort of thing. And so I've talked with a bunch of the companies that are involved in doing this. Interestingly, they, um, a lot of them, or I don't think any of them like are true lawyers, even though they're giving legal advice. The reason that um, it was explained to me is that as a lawyer, your commitment first and foremost is to the courts. So if you're, helping people move their business into the private domain, you are um, violating your commitment to the courts, right? Because wow. now the, the courts no longer have oversight or jurisdiction. So it's it's really fascinating the way that, you know, it's all set up. But I know of besides Amos where <clears throat> I guess the, the short side of it is, I think he may have gotten some bad advice, which is what caused, because really like, how could they find him if he was in the private domain? And that, right. that's the whole thing is if you're in the private domain, you're not under the jurisdiction of these other entities. Mm. And so he got fined like 175000 I think. Um, and he did the whole GoFundMe thing and, and raised enough money. I think the um, they were able to pull him into the public domain because if he was in the private domain, they shouldn't have jurisdiction over how he processes his meats and um, offers them to his private members. And that's just, that's just the rules of private, private contract, private domain. So, and I mean, that those are things that are protected under the constitution. So it's just, it's kind of neat that um, the, the guy that I got to help me with, with my basically founding documents of the healthfully farm um private association um he he basically he understood all that and he said you know these these were kind of the mistakes that were made and here's what we're going to do i mean you you stand on the constitution basically which is the supreme law of the land. um and if if you're going to try and do something else he just said that's a mistake you know you it's uh I think it was the first amendment first amendment right right, right to assemble which is yeah. similar to like right to um privately associate
0: mm. wow it's really good. Cool. we have that <laughs> we have that option and ability like that's good
1: yeah and there's a lot of farms out there that are doing this and I mean some could argue that they're flying under the radar so to speak but I'm just like, if, if these are our protections, then I'm going to stand on them as I do this and offer things that I believe are, you know, (laughs) inalienable rights to the optimal foods that we have. It's, you know, it's not like, um, (laughs) I'm not running drugs or anything here. Like that's where maybe you would draw the line on, on private association. You know, at some point there are illegal activities, but. You know what Amos was doing: processing animals, offering meat to his members after they sign a contract. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, likewise with dairy. Um, I guess that would be the other big one. The meats and the dairy are are highly regulated. Eggs, you know, eggs are less so. Although, like the eggs that I'm offering are. Um, I'm still working through that a little bit. I should probably like take a poll on it, but you know, with it being hot right now, I would ideally not want to refrigerate them because Auden said, you know, unrefrigerated are preferable. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, you know, if I'm shipping them to Florida and they're going to sit on someone's step and bake in a hundred, you know, hundred and who knows, 110, 120 degrees on someone's front porch where it's like a heat trap.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and the only reason I say that is because I shipped some to my mom recently and she's like, mm. yeah, they were, they were like baking on the porch there. And I'm like, mm. okay, so uh, I'm, I'm still, you know, the, the FedEx mind that yeah. of, of me is like, okay, how do I do this in a way where I keep it in that temperature range yeah. that my customers want not to refrigerate it down to 40, but get it in. I think i just said like, 65 like 60 65 for eggs for like the lowest and um that that is optimal Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: because what you have is once they chill below a certain point they're no longer um viable either like they're no longer fertile even though Mm -hmm. like my eggs are fertile here i have roosters running with the hens Mm -hmm. so they're truly fertile eggs um which is like another interesting thing because i know aginous talks about fertile eggs but i think what he was really getting at more than it being fertile is the way that the animals are raised you will rarely have roosters running in uh, a chicken house where they're just pumping out eggs there are no roosters the eggs Mm -hmm. are not fertile yeah where you have roosters is when they're Mm free-ranging and i know he didn't i don't know if he explicitly said that but i think that's what he was going for with saying like you know you want fertile eggs which I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw some roosters out there with my hens anyways because they're just good protectors of the flock. Yeah. That's kind of like their role. It's it's really interesting just to watch, but you've got the roosters out there with their head up most of the time watching and the hens with their heads down eating because think about the draw on a hen's body to produce an egg every day versus the rooster who, you know, he kind of has it. (laughs) He has it good. But that's, again, that's his role. I've seen it where the rooster finds like an earthworm, and he's calling the hens over to eat it. Mm. And so that's like another neat thing like that. You know, over time, you just you observe, you hear, like, I hear the chicken language, like there's different, there's way more sounds than just like, you know, I laid an egg, bagok, or mm-hmm. like danger bagak. Like there's, there's a whole host of other sounds that I think most people, unless you're around chickens a lot, like you're not going to be familiar with, but you know, sounds like, Hey, they're happy. They're content. They're well taken care of. Um, you know, they make a different sound for that.
0: Wow, that's awesome to think about and realize. And yeah, it it just makes sense. It, It makes sense. You're doing things like as nature would have it, right? Like you, you want the, you want the roosters with the, with the hens, like you want they're kind of like a family together you know and it just i love when things work out like that synergistically and that's just the natural way the females are probably more happy with the males there and vice versa and you get fertile eggs like everybody wins that's great
1: yeah totally totally and and like they're they're definitely like in in texas when i was there i had too many roosters and the the hands get worn out so there is certainly a, a balance um I've always wondered, I'm like, so in nature, like, how is that balance created? Because it seems like it's maybe like one rooster for every 10 hens, like something like that would be like a good ratio. Um, And I don't know if it's just probably the the roosters fight each other and they they kick each other out. Um, So, you know, parts of nature can be a little bit brutal too in that respect, but it's like, you know, get away from the flock or um that rooster is then a little bit more submissive so the other rooster the dominant one will tolerate that one being around as long as he doesn't try to mount another one kind of thing it's uh yeah it's it's interesting to kind of just know no like general behavior of these domesticated animals and then say well you know they have primal instinct within them um and you know what what would that look like in nature Kind of thing
0: yeah. yeah, so cool. It's awesome to hear about the care that you're taking here, um and yeah, I mean, okay, I also want to say i am I am like whatever about salt, so i i I haven't actually formed my opinion on this. I don't know if it'll get formed, but for some reason, I haven't felt a big difference on salt or off salt, like I felt great off of salt, and then on salt is like fine, so I do somewhere in between um but i also really like how my taste buds are so sensitive without salt like when i am when i'm not used to salt i can taste so much better and that's actually what i'm valuing most right now so, I definitely want some of your salt free sourdough because I think with the sour flavor, you don't even need the salt and um it's funny because mm-hmm. your bread got mentioned on this podcast because I think I think Zara mentioned that it really helped her get through a de when she was having a detox. Um, she was having some headaches, like cluster headaches, and she said yeah i got I got some salt free sourdough, and I just had like she called them like little bread trains, you know instead of cheese trains." So uh, like helped her get through a detox. So I think it's also just it sounds like a great option for primal folks. One, if they're more like, if they're more, you know, relaxed, like I am with with what I'm eating, I just enjoy the bread. And I you know, I feel good with it too. I'm just kind of experimenting or if they're having a detox and they don't want to have cooked chicken. Like I don't even crave cooked meat anymore. So I would rather have, if I'm going to have something to slow my detox, I would rather have sourdough. So I think it's so cool that you have these options. So I just wanted to mention that too, like how, um, people can utilize these other options and like you said the olive oil it just makes sense so um yeah i love i love the variety that you have
1: cool yeah thank you yeah i i think that's i'm trying to think if there were any other products i i've like i've gone through the descriptions like a hundred times each going back and forth with the web developer and then figuring out like the sizes and then the containers i'm doing mostly glass the only thing that I'm going to offer in plastic is like milk by the gallon, because I just felt like, you know, I want to be able to offer milk, raw milk. It's so important, like at a reasonable price. And on top of that, I know they're going to be paying um, uh, like eight, it's eight pounds per gallon. So that's a lot to add to your shipping. Um, and it's yeah. really like, it's just important to me, but the glass adds even more weight to it. And it's it's uh, I think it was like five dollars, four or five dollars more expensive just cost to me, you know, to have half gallon mason jars. But I'm still giving that as an option if people want to pay. Don't quote me, but I think it was like it's either eight or nine a gallon for milk in in the plastic, and then add add like four to that. So I think it's what would that be? Maybe thirteen, thirteen or fourteen for milk in the glass kind of thing so
0: cool Cool. I think that's a great option um because yeah I I sometimes it's most important just to have the milk and I know some people um I've heard people say that they are sensitive to um milk from cows that have been fed grain I think a lot of people are at least in my Instagram community so I think for Mm -hmm. people if they're like okay well I need the grass-fed um milk and i like how adam's doing things and i would sacrifice it not being in glass so i can afford it you know that that to me sounds Mm -hmm. like okay priorities you know um so yeah that's cool and i i honestly i'd like to try some too because i um I right now my milk is grain partially grain fed and it's a thoughtful farm and I love the farmer but I just want to see how if my body reacts differently because I haven't had grass fed milk before so I am so like interested as a customer in your products as well and I'm wondering um I think this would be great for everyone to know like if we wanted to join um obviously we can go to your website but what would that process look like to get your products
1: Sure yeah it's um Healthfullyfarm.com, so healthfully health and then f u l l y farm.com, <clears throat> and then um, on there there is a, a little tab for like register, um, and so to join the private association it's a a twenty five dollar lifetime membership, and then once you join that so it's it this is like structured similar. to you know amos (laughs) in that when you click on the products and you're not logged in you don't see a price or anything they're not they're not available to non-members once you log in now now you get to see as a user you get to see all uh, or i should say as a member you get to see all the prices on everything and add add to your cart um what you'd like and uh you know check out and that whole thing so it's all going to be right there i've I kind of went back and forth because I know Amos does it a little bit differently in that, like, the the card doesn't get charged um, until he ships. But um, I felt like I needed to do the charge up front. I'll just have to manage my inventories better. I think he does it partly because he, he's Amish, right? And so, like, he's yeah. not on the computer, but maybe, you know, maybe he's getting these printouts once a week. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little bit different than. Ha- being able to (laughs) grant I've had some you know connect connectivity issues here today (laughs) but just being able to have that access every day I can update what inventories I have um, available in the beginning and that kind of leads me to one thing I want to mention and this was a functionality that I wanted to add to the website um, and, and that's partly why it's taking a little bit longer but I want to be able to limit how much one member can order of say the primal eggs in a week like I don't want one member to be able to come in and order 20 dozen yeah basically wipe me out for the week I want to be able to spread that to as many people as possible so I'm still throwing around exactly what that number is going to be as far as how many dozen like for the eggs but I'm thinking somewhere between like four to six dozen would be like the range that would be a limit like as far as how many um, someone could order and then the other thing um that we are working on with with the website is an ability to subscribe so subscribe for a month to four dozen eggs or whatever a uh, two dozen yeah. eggs e- every week i'm going to send you two dozen eggs that really helps the farmer out mm. in that like i'm able to manage my inventories a lot better knowing i have standing orders as opposed to it being just like you know whatever orders are coming in so what i say on the website and what i'll do is i'm going to give priority access to the 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 standing the recurring orders because those those help me out um and so because with limited supplies it's 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 worth considering that as like you know joining and being a member of the farm and and or the private association and that's that's just another thing that on my end as i start small here and, I'm um, I'm growing as the, as I see the demand come, um, is, you know, I'm going to have to probably limit my, the number of members of, I don't want like people to join them and be like, well, you know, I, I, I can never order the eggs or yeah. I can never get any dairy. So it's, you know, it's things that you don't really think about. Um, but I've had to think about them in running this. Cause I want the best, um, you know, customer not customer member experience because they're not that's one thing like with the lingo they're not customers they're members of the association um, and so yeah it's just those things have have taken a while to you know just to work through and then even things like coconut cream I'm just doing it on a very like small scale. I don't have like this wonderful machine that actually takes, The shell off the coconut so it's a lot more labor intensive Mm -hmm. and i'm just limiting that to like one one order per week per customer of like a pint and then i'll even you know i'll have to limit the inventory too because if i get inundated with like 20 pints i could sit here for like two or three days like (laughs) cleaning the meat out of coconuts to you know to ship but at the same time the chickens love the pulp. So it's like, it's this beautiful thing where it's like, I have, I have a primal community that values it and I want to get them this wonderful product. And then I've got chickens on the back end that will take the pulp and turn it into wonderful eggs. You know, it'll enhance their health. It'll enhance the health of the eggs. So it's kind of this really cool synergy, um, that, that I've got set set up here the only thing people tell me i need this isn't really as much primal i guess but pigs because i've got like a lot of extra milk like the chickens only eat some or drink so much of the milk Mm. (laughs) and then the the rest i've been um i've actually just been spraying a bunch of it on the pasture as like an organic fertilizer after i like after i skim it yeah it's uh, other farmers i've heard do this and um, you know, in a similar situation to me where it's like, oh, I have all this extra milk, like, what do I do with it? Put it back to the lands. Basically, that's where it came from, right? The cow ate the grass. And so the cow took from the lands. Well, let's put some of that NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, Let's and all the other wonderful things that come with raw milk, the microbes, and let's put it back to the lands and feed the lands, which makes it more nutritious um which actually made me think of one other thing which is like the salt dilemma or whatever you want to call it yeah um with the cows is um and i've heard of people doing this i haven't done it yet but they say like if you feed the land what it's lacking in this case what it's probably showing is that the land is lacking sodium if you spread the salt on the land which again you think back to like I don't know. I just think of these stories of like Roman times. And it's like, didn't they spread salt on like the enemy's like land to like make it infertile kind of thing? But like, that would be a lot of salt they'd have to spread. That would be like, you know, you'd be taking stuff from the ocean kind of thing. Yeah. But um, no, a little bit can actually really help the land, is my understanding. I've never done it, but I'm very interested to sort of test that out um, because. I can tell like the cows are definitely like they go in and they just lick on that thing right now. Partly they're used to it, but part of me is saying like, is, is there something lacking from their diet where they're not getting the sodium they need? So now they're getting it in this, you know, less than optimal form of a salt lick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So interesting stuff. I've never thought about in farming it's just cool. It's cool that you're experimenting with this stuff. Um, So yeah, and I would love to hear like, before we close, I would love to hear about the primal community that you kind of envision. And I know that we've just been talking about how this process is like, borderline overwhelming for you because there's so much going on and now you're now you're here like you you have this farm um, but I'm just curious I would love to hear more thoughts on what you envision as far as like um, creating really a community beyond just a farm
1: mm-hmm. yeah sure good good question um, I did wolf I guess which is do you know wolf like worldwide opportunities in organic farming I was basically yeah. doing these work exchanges um on farms in Virginia this was like right after i hiked the appalachian trail and i'm like you know again shattering my perception of what i really need mm. as far as like oh i need the high paying job i need to pay pay you know for health insurance blah blah all these different things and it's like wait a second like no i don't i just lived in the woods for 5 or 6 months hiked spent very little money and, uh, you know, had an amazing life-changing experience. But anyways, after that, um, and even during that, we were doing work exchanges on different, in different hostels that had like, there was a hostel slash farm along the Appalachian Trail and we would help out and they would give us a place to stay kind of thing. So this whole world of like work exchange, like going and helping a farm, learning alongside them, um was like revealed to me and i'm like i want to continue doing this so um so i i did in you know in i was in costa rica for a while i was in europe kind of like back to my roots countries uh, in in europe and then Mm -hmm. uh in the u.s and okay remind me where was i going with this (laughs) oh just
0: what you see for the community
1: ah for the community yeah. yeah so i was um So I was doing these work exchanges in Virginia, and I I became interested in intentional communities. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something that was thriving at one point in America's past. I mean, namely, like, I guess the 60s and the 70s, and there are still remnants of them. There's still ones that are kind of like petering along, and then there's other ones that are actually thriving. Mm -hmm. And so I got to see ones where it's like, this one's on its way out. Well, what are they doing? And then, oh, wait, this one's thriving more and more membership. Like, what are they doing? And what I found is the intentional communities that are formed around some type of enterprise, if you will, like, hey, come to this intentional community, help us save seeds, run this business, and you get to stay here and and eat, basically, you know, for free. It's it's an exchange kind of thing. And those were doing a lot better than the ones that were like, okay, come and give us your assets. Like so many, like there's a buy-in and then, okay. And then we're going to pool any income you make from outside of the community. Like that's all just going to get pulled into the community. So income sharing is one way to do it, which I saw, um, I wouldn't say problems with that, but I didn't see them thriving. Right. So the empirical evidence showed me to have some type of business, if you will, or some type of enterprise where um, the community can bring money in. And so I'm like, well, boom, I've got it right in front of me here, serving the primal community, bring together a group of people that are either on the primal diet, interested in the primal diet, interested in living this way, which (laughs) I mean, I I basically this, this house that I live in, it was an Amish family lived in this house. It's now updated with electricity and plumbing but um in 2001 or whatever an Amish family built this house so Mm. I'm definitely like going towards that you know the simpler ways of the past the simpler life of the past kind of thing while still running a website and you know getting orders that way but really like the way we farm um you know being being this wonderful like more traditional way I guess And so, um, I want to answer your question and I'm sorry, (laughs) I forget. What was your question? Oh yeah. The community community aspect. Yeah. Yeah, So, so so I was like, this, this is it. This is it with, um, healthfully farm the business and actually needing a lot of people's help. Like I'm just one person here. And, Mm -hmm. um, if I can get long-term help, then, then that's all the better. And then that actually allows me to grow the business at a more sustainable rate. If I have long-term helpers here, um, you know, long-term community members, long-term primal members. And so that's ultimately where I see this going is we start here with this. And then from this farm, I mean, the community can grow if, if, Hey, maybe there's demand for goat's milk or you know whatever like we see an opportunity for that well it doesn't I picked this area because prices are properties are affordable here as well mm-hmm. but I didn't realize it's New York and taxes are kind of high mm-hmm. but the prices are a very like this same property in another state would potentially be twice as expensive like wow. just as far as like down payments and everything and I'm like you know well why is that and I think part of it is because, you know, this is my conspiracy mindset, but there's an attack on the small farmer. There's an attack on this area, which used to be huge. um, I don't want to say huge dairies, but um, large number of small dairies
0: Mm.
1: were here. Um, That was one of the big selling points I had. The realtor said in the year 1900, there were over a thousand dairies in Steuben County, New York over a thousand small dairies in this county that I live. And I don't even want to look to see what we're down to, but it seems like, you know, every week, every other week, I'm hearing of small dairies basically closing down and selling out because they're not getting paid um, what they should for the milk. And right now, cow prices are high. So it's that perfect scenario of, well, I'm doing all this work And I'm not even making any money
0: yeah. or I
1: can sell the cows and at least like cash in while prices are high kind of thing. And so I've seen, you know, a few more dairies, uh, like I said, go just since I've been here in October, just talking with people and, and that's of concern, right? Because that's now consolidation into the hands of a few. And then on top of that, they want us eating like, what's it called? The incredible burger, which isn't really meat. It's, uh, you know, so there's, there's this agenda to move us away from the animal proteins. Um, my belief is because they know that it's actually the most healthy thing out there, you know, raw animal products that are organic. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, the primal community is living proof of this. Mm -hmm. So to me, like it's, it's out there. Um, it's just, you know, the information to a certain degree is, is suppressed as far as, you know, your, your head is spinning. If you're like, if you have no idea and you're like, okay, I want to go on a healthy diet. Well, your head is spinning after you're looking yeah. and you're never going to come across aginist stuff unless you really dig, you know, like it's, it's one of those where it's not just, they actually named one primal life. And I think it was to, so when you search primal diet, primal life, I think comes up mm-hmm. and it's this other guy that's, you know, it's total, not like what Ajahn put forward. It might be better than the standard diet, but it's still not as optimal as what, but again, it's like, they just took the word because I guess it's, it's not like a copy word kind of thing. Like, like they grabbed primal and just said primal life. And I'm like, okay, so now when people search primal diet, like that comes up. Or, um, yeah, I mean, I won't get into more of the things that I think about, you know, how primal diet is presented. Like it's wonderful what you're doing, Emily, but then you, I feel like there are other personalities out there that are really like doing a disservice to, um, to the primal diet, just in how, you know, it's a lot is about presentation and not seeming like aggressive, and like angry and like all these kind of things. And it's like, that's just, that's just bad energy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again,
1: I applaud you for what you're doing because it's just, it's wonderful. You know, that's, it is an information game, you know, like, um, and also presenting it in a nice way where it's like, we're not just a bunch of, <laughs> you know, primitive people living out in the woods like gnawing on bones and stuff you know like Mm -hmm. this is not this is not what it is um and yet yeah I feel like you know it can be presented that way um and you know not only that but just you you kind of know what I'm saying
0: Yeah, totally. It's interesting, because I had another guest a couple episodes back who isn't on the primal diet. But but actually, we had a talk about him coming on the podcast, because he said, wow, I so he's a guy and he used to be in these other types of diet groups and these guys were really aggressive and he hated that and he was like it's crazy to watch you eat raw meat on your instagram and it's actually like i'm i am a super feminine girly girl right but i'm eating raw meat so he was like it's pretty wild to see that it's not it doesn't have to be one type of culture you can just like to eat raw meat and just cherish good food and that could be something that we have in common you know like i think there's just so Mm -hmm. much to that and um yeah i appreciate you saying that and this this podcast is really about hearing all different perspectives and it's funny i was talking to someone in the dms about that today like you say adam it's an information game and it's so funny how that echoes um what we were talking about earlier which is like um there is so much value in just hearing everyone's story and everyone's experience. And I think even if there are like differing opinions or differing experiences, let's say like someone like you, Adam, you do amazing on the, I'm guessing a strict raw primal diet, right? For
1: yeah, for the most part, sometimes I'll, I'll like cook up some potato, but just occasionally, or my sourdough bread, which is, you know really that is still primal it's not optimal optimal but i just feel like there's a time and a place for that and sometimes sometimes i'm just like you know what i just want some fried potato and i'll just go and do it so i'm like yeah i think what's it called to be like too dogmatic about it i mean and there are definitely like i'm not challenging that it isn't like spot on like most of what or all of what ajena said but it's like if it if it's getting to the point where it's stressing people out or getting them angry like you know more like people aren't doing the diet right this is where it's it's being taken too far in my opinion
0: mm. Yeah, that's, uh, this is like one of my favorite topics these days, because I think there's so something to that. And I do think, you know, this could be a whole nother podcast episode in itself. But I do think that people do get scared. If, If they do find the primal diet, sometimes they get scared away, because there are some people that are not interested in making like, positive, lighthearted connections in this world. And I think that's probably true with every diet, there's going to be people that are so hardcore, that you're like, wow, it's really not pleasant to talk to you. And this kind of makes me feel like, what is this culture around the primal diet? Or what is this culture around this or that diet? Um, But I think it's so important that we are able to have conversations to highlight um, the the people in this diet that are really capable of having um, open conversations about it and spread the good word about it and being compassionate towards each other and mm-hmm. um, you know like what I was kind of saying earlier about so like Adam you 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 do the diet and you you do the cooked starch or sourdough sometimes and then there's someone like me who. I was doing the diet strictly and now I'm kind of experimenting with sauerkraut and having I have like salted sourdough bread right now and um, some cooked eggs and stuff. But like we can still like talk and bond about the stuff that we still really value like I'm still um, very excited to try your you know, be a member at your farm and try the stuff that you have to offer and we can still bond over that. And I think that part is so key just in my eyes, because I think divisiveness, as you're saying, it's like, kind of like, this is my conspiracy thing. I think that we are led to be divided in society because we become so weak as a people, like as a, as mm-hmm. a, as a group. When we're saying "You're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, um mm-hmm. you're only your own we're we can only be cool if you do the same thing as me, and I think when we like let go of that, that's when we get stronger, and that's when we can be more inviting to other people when we're not dogmatic, you know when we can like see where our similarities are, and that's how we can bond, you know,
1: mhm, yeah absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate like, I just appreciate you. I don't know, I, I think you have like such a great spirit. And you have such a nice positive energy. And it's like, not for me, it's not about being positive all the time. But like, I really appreciate that. And I think we, we, we need that in this world, and especially like online and um in that in the diet space. So yeah, it's just, it's great to be able to be here and have this conversation together, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, like I told you, I was nervous to start, but you've really just like, your questions are great. And it's, uh, just kind of put me at ease. Like you're, you're a great, uh, interviewer and inquisitive, passionate for information and, um, you know, just, open to different views on things. It, exactly. I and mean, that's, that's we just need more of that type of energy, that type of approach to this, because ultimately I was on a journey, right? To get to this point. Well, if <clears throat> if I had come across someone on the primal diet when I was on Sally's diet, that was this character that's, let's say, you know, aggressive and whatever, that that could have just closed that door there. And it, it's like, but, but that would have been a good road to to take if there wasn't that um, experience. So it's just people like you and, um, you know, bringing people out on the podcast that are um, sharing their experiences that are kind of more down to earth. That's, I think that's what's going to bring this diet uh, into the forefront because, there's just so many headwinds I think with it, like the taboo of the raw meat. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I work at a pizza place. They, they don't even know, you know, cause I'm like, why, why do I, why would I go through the effort of telling it, it? It's one of those things where it's people that are, um, open. I feel like if they're open to it and maybe some of them would be, but in a professional setting, sometimes I'm just like, well, it's just easier to go about it this way. And, uh, you know, not, not to say that I'm necessarily hiding it. It's just never come up really. You know, it's like, uh, I, I know the pizzas it's half off for employees, but I'm good. Thank
0: you. I know. Oh my (laughs) God. So true for me too. At my past jobs, like I'm not having any of this stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's,
1: it's the journey, you know, like everyone's on their own journey. For better health and so to not just come in and like beat them over the head with it but just you know here's information you can take from it what you will if you're like okay that's that's you know way outside my realm at this point hopefully like a seed has been planted as as maybe one pushes more towards hey i want i'm still noticing these things i want you know i want something better i want something more optimal and I mean, Aginous, I think really, he, he, he put it out there for everyone. And, uh, you know, he was a a special human being in that, um, in that respect and in that he was like, so uncompromising, you know, threats on his life, that kind of thing. And it was like, I'm just, I'm staying by what I believe to be true. And that was, you know, that's inspiration to me. And I think, you know a lot of people that's that's why when we listen to aginist's q and a's it's like this this guy has the background knowledge he's done his research empirical research and uh he's got his uh, conviction as well you know conviction and what he believes and that's it was just you know perfect timing i guess for him to come along and get the following that he got so that because without that following like who knows if this would have even lived on to, to today you know and um but there's enough people that have kept it going with like the we want to live website and of course now all these facebook groups and and such so you yeah. know we're kind of we're all in this together
0: <laughs> yeah it's so true i know i love that i i think that's such a good highlight <laughs> for for this episode and just to keep in mind and yeah i never honestly i never read the books and like I learned it's funny cause I learned about the raw meat thing through West row um, the real natural human diet. So I learned about it through people and through podcasting actually Miller's farm introduced me to West. So I, I huh. haven't been like um, really a big consumer directly of Ajanus's work, but I always have to remind myself to be super grateful for him because it takes a, special person. It takes a really specific type of person to, like you said, push for this information to say something that's so unconventional and really stick by it. And like Wes, I think Wes found the diet through Ogenus. He like found it in the way that people often find it. Like he found aginist's work, read the book. So if Wes didn't find um, this diet, I probably wouldn't know about it. And it, it really like, it just, you know, it reminds me that, yeah, everything had to take place as it is to get us to this point. And it's like an amazing thing that we found something that, you know, so many people are eating food, and they're like, it just doesn't feel good in my body, but I don't know what else to do. And we found food that Mm. feels like the best, like raw meat feels like really the best for me. And um, if I could pick one food that feels the best, it's that and um that's a, yeah it's like such a huge thing it's so great and you're helping to provide us with that like which is <laughs> amazing like it's so that's so cool um so yeah. before we close down i'm curious adam do you want to share any other information with everybody here is there anything else that you wanted to talk about
1: um i would the the one thing that um so i had like another primal dieter come Um, who's interested in this way of life. And he volunteered for like a long weekend. And um, I've, I've invited him to come back to be like a part of the farm longer term. If there's anyone else out there that would be interested in sort of like, a, you know, this, this is a more uh, simple way of life, where we're farming, we're, we're using like, I'm using a, a scythe to mow the hay. I, I don't have a tractor or anything like that at this point. Um, but just to be a part of this whole movement and a community, um, I would love to have a conversation with them. And, um, you know, after that, potentially invite them to, to come to the farm for like, if they just want to see what it's like. Um, I definitely want this to be like an open door to primal dieters, whether you're interested in, in um, coming here longer term, or not um, would be just to come and you know see what I'm doing here, and that this is a uh, a possible way of life, and that hey, look, we're producing on the farm a lot of the staples that Ogenes talked about, so um, the raw milk, the raw eggs. Technically, we're producing raw meat, but I'm not processing anything yet, but we're growing animals. Um, And that would be like a a potential phase two of healthfully farm is to start offering like primal chicken meat. I see Mm -hmm. that as a potential future thing. Um, You know, beef is always challenging because you have a big animal. Most of the time it's got to be frozen or if it's processed, it's got to have an outlet um, you know, pretty quickly to get to the customer. So it's just the windfall of beef, you know, of, of meat that I would be dealing with to then have to, um, not to say that we can't get there, but that would be, you know, like I said, that would be more of like a phase two or even a phase three, um, to, to be offering like beef. Yeah. Beef cuts and that kind of thing.
0: Okay. But yeah,
1: I mean, that that's essentially if if you're interested in farming and primal and community, um, I would welcome like a conversation.
0: Yeah. Awesome, you guys. And that's really good to know about. Yeah. It, what you're offering. And yeah, it's man, really cool and really in need, like really in need. So you guys, if you are. Um, interested at all I mean just check out the website healthfullyfarm.com see what they're doing what Adam's doing Um, by the time we drop this episode the website should be up um, but I will continue to update you guys on my Instagram and YouTube so um, yeah I mean this 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 episode will be out like in, into the world. So we were, as soon as the website drops, we are going to add it to the show notes. So check out the show notes, check out. um, Yeah. The, the, the website become a member. It sounds like there's, there could be limited. Um, um, membership availability so make sure that you guys uh, hook yourself up as soon as possible and Adam how would you like people to contact you if they are interested in working on the farm?
1: Um, I, they can there's a contact tab on the website and that that's all my information with the the farm address and um, there's an email and uh, a cell phone number so yeah either one of those is fine if if you'd prefer to email me that's cool or if you want to text and, and we can set up a call that way um, that's fine as well okay but that's on there I've I've actually I've thought about adding like a volunteer tab but I'm just not I'm not quite there yet
0: mm-hmm. I'm just
1: like let's get the website launched and then I can and the business going and then I can get a volunteer tab going on exactly. there just yeah. But yeah,
0: one thing at a time. <laughs> like, I know I, you're I, doing I, so much now.
1: There's been times where I'm like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just gonna go lie in the grass for a little bit, <laughs> like
0: <Yeah. laughs>
1: just put my head down.
0: <laughs> for sure. Like I don't know how you do it, but I'm so glad that you do, and I'm just glad that you exist <laughs> because this is like a it's a it's amazing, and yeah, you're an awesome person, Adam Ambrose owner and manager of healthfully farm. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. It was so enjoyable for me. And I know a lot of people are going to enjoy it as well. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Am. I, I really appreciate it. You're, you're doing great work.
0: Thank you. Okay, you guys, I need your help here. I want to get word spread about the info that we share in this show as much as possible. I want it to reach around the world. It already has. I want it to continue to reach around the world and I want us to be able to share this information because this is empowering shit. You guys know that I only share empowering shit on here. I only share stuff that is gonna make you feel like your dreams can become a reality and you can create what you want in your life and you can achieve what you want in your life and big changes can happen big evolution can happen in a positive direction in your life i've done that in my life it is my goal it is my life purpose to help as many other people achieve that as well so if you can help me do this i would be so grateful please share this episode share my podcast other people about my podcast share it on instagram I would just so appreciate that. Subscribe. Uh, whatever we can do to get the word out more about this information. I love providing it for you guys. It makes me so happy and it would just mean the world to me if you continue to share it. I love you guys so much. Info on how to work with me is in the show notes. I have a group coaching course. I have one-to-one private coaching. I have a workshop. There will be more offerings in the future. I'm, there's a lot going on. So all of this info is in the show notes and enjoy. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Talk to you soon. I love you.